All right, here we go. Good afternoon. Um, today's daf is daf mem, page four in the Hilgimasechus Babakama. We're going to go back to the bottom of Lamed Tes Amud Beis and pick up from Omar Le Abaye, which is uh, approximately uh, 15, 16 lines from the bottom of the page, about two thirds of the way down. Omar Le Abaye Veloy Pligi. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Fifteen lines from the bottom of Lamed Tes Amud Beis. Lots of. Um, uh, lots of Gemara to cover today. Let's see, a short time, let's see how far we can get. So Amalei Abai, Abai said to Rava, V'lai pligi, you Rava say that Rav Yaakov and Rehud are not arguing. Is that possible to say? V'hatanya, but we learned in a b'risa. V'hatanya, we learned in a b'risa. V'hatanya, but we learned in a b'risa. Shor Shachir Shet V'kot Shnagach Rebuda Mechaev. Rebuda says that even though the owner is a Chir Shet V'kotten, he needs to pay. For Yaakov, I'm erchatzi nezekud m'shalim. He's paying half damages, so you clearly see it's a machlaikas. Answers the Gemara, no. Amr Rabbi Barula, Masha Machayev Rebuda, Pirish Rabbi Yaakov. Rabbi says, you got to pay. Rabbi Yaakov says, half damages. Says the Gemara, it may very well may be, they're not arguing. Rabbi says, you need to pay, and Rabbi Yaakov says, how much you need to pay? But it's not necessarily that they're arguing. Okay, Ulabai Dabar Pligi, according to Abayi, says that they are arguing, that Rabbi Yaakov and Rabbi Yehuda do argue, but my Pligi... In what halacha specifically are they going to argue? Now, if you hold they argue, that means that Rabbi Yudah says you pay chayav, that's going to be full. And Rabbi Yaakov says half. So what's going to be that case? Amar loch, Abayah will explain. What are we dealing with? The owner of the moor did not watch it at all. Rabbi Yudah served like Rabbi Yudah. Rabbi Yaakov agrees with Rabbi Yudah. One halacha, he disagrees with another halacha. What halacha does he agree with Rabbi Yudah? That's what we learned yesterday. Rabbi Yudah holds that when a tam moves on to a full moor payment, the first half payment stays from the body. Uh, you're just going to add on an additional half that needs to pay from the best, from the from the property. And he disagrees with him. Rabbi Yudah holds that we establish a trustee. To take payment by the case of a tam, Rebuta says, "Nope, we do not establish a trustee on the uh, acts of a minor, of an orphan minor, if the animal is still a tam. Okay, only if it's a muad do we start having those conversations." So he holds that you're only going to pay the additional half damage of a muad. The original damage is nobody to claim from. There's no there's no trustee, but the other half you can go ahead and uh, and claim. Because there you have a trustee over it. Okay. Very good. So that's going to be both how Abai and Rabba understand Reb Yaakov and Reb Yehuda. Again, according to uh, Rabba, they're not arguing. Reb Yaakov is coming to explain Reb Yehuda. According to Abai, they, uh, they are arguing. Bishlam Allah Abaye. This makes sense according to Abaye, Da'amar Pligi. Abayu says that that uh, Rabbi Yaakov and Yehuda do argue Shapir. This all makes sense. How we're going to interpret, you know, uh, the payments. First half is going to be a tam payment. Second half is going to be a uh, muad payment. And the only time we have an apitropus is over the muad side of it, not over the tam side. El Rabbi Damar Lepi, according to Rabbi, says that there's no machlaikes at all, meaning everybody agrees that we're going to appoint an apitropus at all times. So Admuki Labamud, instead of saying the price is dealing with a muad, Nukma Batam. We'll we'll uh, establish it by saying that we're dealing with a tam. Okay, so the Gemara here is uh, trying to figure out why Rava didn't understand Rabbi Yaakov in that way. And let's get into the question. Top of today's daf. 
If we follow Rabbi Yehuda who says that the owner gave a basic, less, uh, less, not less, a lower level watching and he didn't give a better watching over us. He watched it on the basic, you know, the, the basic amount, but not, not past that. Either Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov, according to Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov, why are you going to be chayav by a tam? You didn't watch it at all. So in either way, if you didn't do the the tam watching, you're going to be chayav chatzin And if you didn't watch it enough to be a, a muad, so also you're going to be obligated to pay chatzin the tanya. Because we learned in a Bryce, and how do we know that all you need is a Shmira Pchusa, a lesser level a guardianship when it comes to a Tam? We learned in a Bryce, Rabbi Lezbun Yaakov, Yaakov says, Both Tam and Mud, if the owners gave a low level watching, Peturin, Lamaisa, they are uh, their putter. So you see that Rabbi Yaakov holds that you just need a, you need a basic uh, level of Shmira. Uh, Rabbi Yaakov comes to teach us that when you have a tam, we're going to appoint an apitropis to allow the victim to collect from the body of the animal. Amar Lay. So he said back to him, again, this was Rav Achabar Abaye talking to Ravina. So Ravina responds, maybe what Rav Aventa said was like this, first of all, the Ispeitarti time. I have, uh, I have two reasons over here. Okay, meaning that Rabbi Yehuda holds that a muad needs a lower level watching, and it's sad tamus bin The the part of it that it's a tam remains in its place, and we're going to appoint a trustee to oversee uh, to oversee that responsibility. But either way, you're going to have to pay half damages. Ravina Amar Ravina says Rishus Meshuna Nayu, and this is going to get into something that Rabbi you brought up yesterday. And let's get in, let's get a little knee deep into this, which is when an animal's a muad, when a, for being while it's under the domain of one person, and then it gets sold, and there's a new owner involved. So how do we handle that? So he says he says I'll, I'll tell you the circumstances surrounding this. The, the difference is going to be a machlekes about what do you do when you change. Uh, when you change domains, you're going to have a mud with the axis first and mud, and then the cherish got got better, the shaita became uh, became sane, uh, the cotton gets bigger, the fact that it's under a new ownership changes the animal back to being a mud, and perhaps, says Ravina, that is what the machlekes is going to be. Tana Rabbanon, the rabbis learned, and so should we. Apitropsim meshalmin min ha'aliyah ve'in meshalmin kaifa. We're now going to segue into a fascinating sugya, a fascinating sugya, which is that a trustee has to pay from the best property, but there's no kaifer payment. Okay, what does it mean? There's no kaifer payment. So if somebody's if somebody's uh, ox kills somebody, kills uh, a person, so Allah is the ox gets put to death. And the owner of the ox has to pay a kofar penalty. Now, we don't know how much that penalty is. What does it mean they pay a kofar penalty? We don't know yet. But you're going to have to pay a kofar penalty, the owner of the ox. The Bryce says that a trustee responsible for the ox also has to pay a, a kofar payment. Mantona kufra kapara, viasmi labane kaparanu. So... The, um, who's the Tan who holds Kufra Kapara and the Yisraelim are not in necessary for an atonement? Now we're assuming right here that 
the kaifer payment, the additional payment, is there in order to bring an atonement to the owner. Your animal went out and killed a person. You as an owner need a kapara. <coughs> the financial penalty of kaifer is, gonna, is what's going to give you the atonement. Okay? Now, if I have a minor who's an orphan, we're going to appoint the trustee over the estate. If the ox goes out and kills, the trustee does not need to pay the kofar payment. It must be that the yasomim don't need the atonement payment. It must be that the whole purpose of kofar, the assumption of kofar payment is that it should be an atonement. And now the second premise, the second assumption is that uh, it's there to be an atonement, but the, the second assumption is that the Yasomim don't need the atonement. Hence, their trustee does not make this kofar payment. Who's the Tana that holds that? Amar of Chisr of Chisr says, Rabbi Shmuel, it's the opinion of Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Rabbi Yechina, the owner of the ox that kills a person, gives a pidyon, gives a redemption for his nefesh. What does that mean? How much do you pay? What's this kofar penalty? Says Rabbi Shmuel, Demei Nizik. The value of whatever you damage, the value of the person that he would be sold for on the market, we call it the, the slave market, um, before he was killed. Now you obviously... Huh? But before, he, before he's killed. That's going to have to pay. You're going to pay the damager. The damager, uh, his value is what's paid. Man my isn't this Because if you're looking for a kapara, you should pay the value of the damaging person. If you hold that kufr mamaina, you should pay the value of the victim that got damaged. So that so that's gonna be the machlaikas over how you pay for kofr. Amar of Papa. Rav Papa says, Loi. No, this is not the machlaikas. Everybody holds the reason for the kofar payment is to be an atonement. How do you evaluate? I'm sorry. How do? You, where do we place the price on your atonement? So Rabbanan say <clears throat> on the value of the victim. On the value of the damager. But everybody will agree. Kufra kapara. Everybody will agree it's for an atonement. The way to get an atonement on the uh, for, for the damager is to pay the victim's value, and that would be according to everybody. Says the Gemara, my timer de rabban. What is the reason for uh, what's the reason for the rabban? Okay, now the Gemara is asking a very basic question, which is. If everybody agrees that kufra kapara, that the kofar penalty is an atonement, what would be the logic to state that the way to pay that is by the victim? See, the moment we're paying for a victim, that gives off connotations that we're dealing with monetary responsibility. You're taking kufra memaina. This is a, a, a financial obligation. This is not an atonement obligation. It's strange to call it a kapara, I'm paying to get an atonement, but the price you're putting on that is by the victim. It's kind of strange. If I need a kapara, I should pay my own nefesh. My own soul needs to be redeemed, not the victim's soul. So what would be the logic for the Rabbanon that even though kufra kapara, I'm still going to pay b'demei nizik. I'm still going to pay according to the victim. Okay? 
says the Gemara. My time, Drabanan. So Gemara says, Namra Shisa Lamatam. It says the word Shisa below. The Namar Shisa Lamala. And it says the word Shisa above. This is talking about earlier and later in Sefer Shemais. There's another. Uh, there's another time where we have the um, the uh, a penalty, a payment that's made upon killing somebody. So one time is over here, like when your ox kills. Another time is if somebody is in a fight with another. Two men are in a fight, and a woman gets a pregnant woman gets in between them, and one of the men punches her in the belly and causes her to have a miscarriage. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so, what do you do? We, the pasuk says, "Kasher Yoshis alav balaisha," going to pay a financial penalty to the father of the child. So, it says the word "shisa" over there, "malalon bedenizik," just like by the payment that you're going to make for causing a woman to miscarry. We, uh, how much do you pay? We consider the value of a fetus. We consider the value of a baby. Afkan bedenizik. So too over here in our pasuk, which says im kaifer yushas alav, that same word of yushas. So we're going to learn it out that it has to do with the victim. That's the rabbanon. Again, again, the gemara is asking a basic question: If it's atonement payment, why base it off the victim? Says the rabbanon because that's where you find in the Torah when you find the word yoshas or yoshus, it's based upon the victim, like miscarriage. If it says nafshai, only by him, the owner of the ox, he's going to pay his own value, not the value of the victim. For Abanan in Pidya Nafshai Ksiv, but Miu Kishaimina, but Denizik Shaimina, it's considered an atonement for him, but he's paying the value of the victim. Okay, period. Bottom line is classic Gemara form. The Gemara shares with us ultimately there is a machlaikas. How much you pay? Is it the value of the damager, the value of the victim? What we're walking away with currently is that everybody, though, is in agreement that the kofar payment is for atonement. It's not a financial thing. It's not memaina. It's to receive a kapar. Okay. Let's keep going in this sugya of kofar payment. Now, keep in mind, this kofar payment is in addition to any damaging responsibility I have. So if you, if you kill a victim, you're going to have to pay a number of things. This is an additional payment, separate from all the other value that I'm responsible for. Mishabeach lay Rabba the Rav Nachman. Rava praised in front of Rav Nachman but the Ravacha Bar Yaakov about Ravacha Bar Yaakov. Dadam Gadol who? Yeah, Rava told Rav Nachman, you should know Ravacha Bar Yaakov. Oh man, he's a real Adam Gadol. He's a real Adam Gadol. Amarle, she says, beautiful. I can't wait. I love meeting Gedalim. When it comes to you, bring him to me. Now, I just want to say, generally when this happens, it doesn't end well. It doesn't end well in situations like this. Because there's high expectations. It's not that anybody's out to get the other person, but there's high expectations. And there's an important message in this, which is to be very careful in how we praise people and how we uh, set up, make sure something is not bigger than it truly is. Um, the, the, this is why we've said, we've mentioned there are people who are very mockbed, big people. They're very mockbed that there's no eulogies at their funeral. <coughs> it's not necessarily about 
humility as much as it is real concern that things are going to be said that are actually bigger than they are and that can be that could cause a kitrug against them in Shemayim. And they're they're very careful about this. They're very careful about this. So to not to make things sound sound uh, bigger than it actually is. Okay? So there are people that are very mockbit on this. Next time Rav Acha Bar Yaakov was in town, so he came to Rav Nachman, and Rav Nachman said, Boy, me name Elsa, I have a question on you, Advar Taira. He said, ask me a, sorry, he said, ask me a question. So Boy, me he asked from him, he said, Shor Shal Shnei Shutan. If you have an ox that's owned by two people, Ketzad Meshalm and Kaifer, how do the owners pay Kaifer? Two people own an ox that kills a person. So there's a Kofar penalty. How is that Kofar penalty paid? Meshalim high kofer by high kofer. Do each one make a full kofer payment? If that's true, kofer echad amar achman of leishnei kofer. The Torah only obligates one payment and not two. High chatzik kofer by chatzik kofer. Every time each one pays a half kofer, kofer sholeim amar achman of leishnei kofer. In the pasuk, you only find the concept of complete kofer and not half kofer. So what should we do? That was Rav Nachman Yaakov's question to Rav Nachman. Adi Yosef become ayimba. So as Rav Nachman, again, Rav Nachman wanted to meet Rav Achabar Yaakov. He heard about his greatness. So as Rav Nachman was trying to figure out the answer, Omar Lay, Rav Achabar Yaakov told him, Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah, Chayve Erechen, Mishashkinen Aysam, that um, if somebody pledges their value or the value of a person to the Beis HaMikdash, we take a collateral from them until they actually pay. Because we want to make sure they pay up. So here's somebody take a vow. I give a, a person says, I give a vow to the Beis HaMikdash on my full value, the Beis HaMikdash will go and actually take a collateral until the person pays up. Okay? But if somebody has to bring a carbon chatas, a sin offering, or an ashram offering, we don't take a collateral. What, what's the halacha about somebody who is chayav kaifer? If I need to make a kaifer payment to uh, a victim... So, um, can the family of the victim take a uh, take a mashkin, take a collateral to make sure I pay up? What's the question? Do we say that it's just here to give atonement, like a sin offering or an asham offering, and machmir chamari lave, and therefore there's no need to take a collateral because this is for the owner's best interest. He better pay up if he knows what's good for him. It's not necessary to take a collateral from him. I don't more, perhaps. Since you got to pay to somebody else, the boy Since we're going to be paying somebody else and not the rabbi, maybe he's not going to take it so seriously, and we should take a collateral from him. We should take a collateral. Inami, or the other approach would be since he himself is uh, didn't sin. Who sinned? Who did the problem? The ox, his ox. His property damaged. He's not going to take it seriously. And maybe he's not going to be so quick to pay. So we should take a collateral. So that's the Shiloh. What do you do? That's what you do. Amar Lei, Sir Nachman said, He says, Your first question already stumped me. And now your second question has stumped me even more. Leave me alone. All right? Leave me alone. Shanganug. Your questions are, are, are too strong, right? So, so Rabbi Yaakov asked him the first question. He says, is there such a thing as half payment? What do you do by partners? Rabbi Nachman starts looking it up. 
And as he's trying to learn one thing, he asks him something else. Rav Nachman says, all right, enough, enough, get out of here. <laughs> enough, uh, enough with the questions. Okay. <coughs> Bottom line is, why do we have this in our Gemara? We don't have an answer to these questions either. The Gemara is not giving a straightforward answer to what do you do in the case of partners that have to pay for a uh, for a kapara, and also when exactly is it considered that we we are makbid, we are careful to take a uh, a collateral. Okay. Period. End of that sugi. Really fascinating sugi. Here we go. Tana Rabbanon. The rabbis learned, and that's why the rabbis. Sholu b'chazkas tam v'nimtza muad b'ayla m'shalim chatzin nezek v'shayl m'shalim chatzin nezek. Okay. It's a fascinating b'risa. The b'risa says like this. If I borrow an ox from you, assuming that it is a non-goring ox, turns out the ox gores and it was a muad all along. The halacha is the original owner has to pay half and the borrower has to pay half because the borrower accepted responsibility of half damages. He knew he was getting a tom. So he knew if the socks damages, he's going to have to pay half. The additional payment, being that it's a muad, is going to go on the original owner. Let's say I borrowed a tom ox, but it became a muad while I have it, while I'm borrowing it. And now I give it back to the owner. If it gores again, the owner has to pay half damages and the borrower is off the hook. The borrower is not going to do this anymore. He, re- he returned the object. He returned the animal. However, what this means is that you see from this brisa, an animal goes back to its original status when it changes owners. Or people change responsibility. This is uh, 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 something we touched on yesterday, right? What, how do you view an animal that's a moor and then it takes on a new owner? According to this brisa, if it became a moor while it was by the borrower, then given back, it reverts to being a tam. This seems to imply that uh, a change of responsibility does make a change in uh, in status of the ox, Amar Mar, the Tana Tora, Sholu B'cheskas Tam, if I borrow an ox, assuming that it was a Tam, everybody pays half damages, why? The borrower pays half, because he knew he's going to have to pay half if it damages, and the owner pays half, because he lent him a Muad ox. What's the basic question on this? Shkayich, the borrower, knew he was going to pay half, but he didn't know he's going to get a Muad ox. Right? Ask the Gemara of Amai. Why does the borrower pay anything? Let him say to the original owner, Tura Sheila, I borrowed an ox. Not a lion. I knew that I'm going to be responsible and half damages, but this was a goring ox you gave me, and I didn't know even know I was taking a goring ox in the first place. So I shouldn't be responsible at all. You, you're the, you, you, the owner of the ox. Who gave this to me should be the one who's solely responsible. Amarav, Rav says, skin, what are we dealing with? Shehikr Baishu Nakhon. The borrower knew that the ox was feisty. Okay. So what? So what? If you have an ox that's a tam, 
but it's feisty, it's not an excuse to not watch it as if it could gore. Okay? And therefore, the onus is on the borrower as well. Says, bottom line is, uh, why don't we say to the guy, I lost the place, I'm sorry. Yeah, why don't we say to the owner, okay, granted it's a feisty ox, but it wasn't a mood. And I, I, I didn't want a mood. So in other words, maybe it's like I never borrowed it. Answers the Gemara Mishum to Amar the owner could say back to the borrower, Saif Saif, bottom line, eat Tom Have, if the ox would have been a Tom, Palganizka by Shlume. Listen, bottom line is you would have had to pay half anyway, Hashtanami, so to now Zil Shalim Palganizka, go pay half the damages. Okay, so you're hearing like the two sides are already. Very nice. I didn't give you the whole picture, but you knew the responsibility you're taking on by taking any ox. Let the borrower say to the owner, granted, I get what you're saying, I would have had to pay half, but guess what? If this animal really would have been a tam, I would have only had to pay up to the value of the body, which wouldn't have costed me anything because the body is yours. And now that it's actually a muad, the victim's going to collect from property and it's going to take half damages from my property and that's going to be a real compensation. He could collect from me. See, previously, what if the animal would have been a, a tam, then the victim can only collect from the body. Shkayich, that's your problem. It's not my problem. Now that it was a mood, it became my problem. He's going to take my property. He says, The owner could say, Saif, Saif. Very nice that the victim would have taken the body of the ox, but when he takes the body of the ox, guess what that means for you? You have to compensate me for the body because you borrowed an ox and you're not giving me back an ox. So you would have had to compensate me. Borrowers are responsible to make payment when things break. Says the Gemara of why don't we let the borrower tell the owner, top of Omid Bays, Im Tam Have, if the ox would have been a Tam, I did a Miftarina, I would have, uh, if it would have been a Tam, I would have been Maidina, I would have admitted. Um, now, this is assuming that the half damages is considered a uh, knas, a fine. Um, I could have uh, pottered myself up and I would have had to pay anywhere, uh, anything. But Philaman Damar, Palganiska, Mamaina, even according to Mandamar, who says Palganiska Mamaina, that as monetary damages, I would have taken it and hit and brought and brought it to the swamp. Well, even according to the opinion that half damages is mammon, so you couldn't have admitted and gotten out of your half payment. Let the shayel say to the owner, Imtamu, if it would have been a tam, have a marikna I would have taken it away and and hidden it. No, no sort of payment could have been made because, um, uh, uh, because there's no body of the ox to make payment from. I could have hid it. Bottom line: Let the borrower say, even the original half, I shouldn't be responsible for. Says the Gemara: El Arather, Hakamayskin. What are we dealing with? Going to Akdam Beg Medina Batafse, where the Bezdin came and already grabbed the ox, and therefore there's no ability to get out of it. By confessing or hiding the ox. So, you would have had to pay the half anyway. And when you would have had to pay the half anyway, we'll say, you pay half and the owner pays half. <coughs> if that's true, why does the owner need to pay half damages? Name a lay. Let him say to the borrower, 
One second. Listen, how'd the court grab the ox to take payment? That's because of you. That's your fault. That's your fault. It's your problem. You borrowed the ox. Now, we would, I only have to make a payment from, from the ox's body. It's your problem as a borrower that you didn't hide it and you didn't make sure that Bezin didn't grab it. And you should have to pay me back everything. You should have to pay me full value, Mr. Borrower. Because if it was mine, if, if I would have had the ox, I, I, I could have put the ox in the swamp and nobody could have collected anything. Says, Good morning, the borrower could say back to him, No, you, you don't have a claim against that. No, oh, you would have hit it. I'll tell you why. Even if Bezin doesn't grab the ox, what's going to happen? I'm going to give it back to you. And when I give it back to you, what's going to happen? Bezin will take it from you. And since the ox would have been taken anyway, I am not responsible in the whole thing. Bottom line is, I get, I pay half and you pay half. Says more of a name lay. Why don't we let the owner say to him, if you would have given it back, they wouldn't have taken it from me because I would have hit it. The barber will respond. That you know what? If you hide your ox, is that just an easy way to get out of half damages? No. You know what happens? Remember, what was the case? Let's go back to the beginning of the story. The ox was truly a muad and was borrowed with the assumption that it was a tam. But since the ox was truly a muad, the owner, even if he hides the ox, is still going to make full payment. From the property. Says Gemara, fine. The owner would have had to pay from his property if he had property. What if he's homeless? He has nothing. And now the axe is hidden. Where's Bezdin going to collect from? The borrower could say, The same way I'm responsible to give the ox back to you. The same way when I borrow it, when I borrow an ox, what's my responsibility? Give it back to the owner. Well, guess what? If your ox damages, my responsibility changes. And my responsibility becomes to give it to the person, or at least part of it, to the person that got damaged. Why? Why is that my responsibility? Very interesting. Because of Rabbi Nassim's halacha. The time we learned their b'risa, Rabbi Nassim Neymar, How do you know that if somebody has a claim of a hundred dollars against his friend, and it's called Shibuda der Avnasan. If A owes money to B and B owes money to C, how do I know that that C can go straight to A and collect the money? How do I know that you're allowed to do that? You gotta make sure the money gets back to its original place. So the borrower could say to the owner, since it's my responsibility to give the body of the ox to whoever got damaged, you can't complain that it was, uh, you can't complain that it was taken away. Let's just try to get to the two dots. We're not going to be able to finish the whole daf. Let's just get another few lines, uh, two, three lines over here, uh, more than two, three lines, but uh, 
Uh, we're almost out of two dots. Who had the base Let's say the ox became a moor in the house of the borrower, Vachir Labalim, and then it came and then it was given back to the owner. The owner pays half damages, and the borrower is putter from paying anything. For the second part of the price, it seems that the change of ownership doesn't make it a tom again. From the first part of the price, it seems that it that it does not make it a, a, a tom again. So it's a contradiction in the price of Tavra. Uh, it's a contradiction. It's a contradiction, meaning it's two different opinions. Rabbah says, Since the first part of the Mishnah says that changing ownership doesn't have the ox become a tam again, their seifa would be consistent with that. But what about, it seems to be the opposite. In the seifa of the Brisa, the reason why we say it does go back to being a tam because the owner could say, it's not within your power to make my oxen water, which means in general ownership does not, uh, I'm sorry, in general change of ownership will will uh, not render it a mood, a, a, a time again. But over here, specifically by a borrower, if I lend something to somebody and it gores, the owner could say, it's not in your power to make my, to, to make my oxen a mood. And the end of the price, which seems to imply that a change of ownership Makes it a, a tam again. Reisha nami rishos mishana in the reisha. Also, it'll agree. It makes it a tam. I uh, but in the reisha it seems it doesn't. Reisha hainu taima. In the case of the reisha, where oh, it became a muad mishum de kol makam shahilech shame bailam alav. When it's just borrowed, it's still considered the owners. Like we said, you have hertz rent an ox. Yeah. So a hertz rent an ox is hertz companies. If somebody says, "Is that your car? You got a new car, right?" Any of you know right now we're I'm I'm into rentals. Yeah, we're renting cars for various reasons. Right? It's not my car. It's national car rentals. It's enterprise car rentals. It's Hertz car rentals. If I borrow an axe, the shame, the name of the original owner uh remains uh, uh remains on it. And there's therefore to some degree it's still considered under the owner's domain, and therefore the at any time, whether it's under the owner or the borrower. Any muad status that it gets stays, because it's not considered a change of domain. It's not considered a change of jurisdiction when the animal's returned or when the animal's borrowed. It's always under the same name. It's owned by Hertz, and since it's owned by Hertz, muad will stay. But maybe we'll talk agree that if there is a change of ownership, it would revert to being a tam. We're at the two dots. We'll hold it here. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, Trevor. Afreilich and Chanukah.